You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Jesus is the foundation of our salvation. Only one way can we be saved, through Jesus Christ, right? Jesus said in himself, I am the way, the truth, and the light, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus is the stone that they were rejecting, and he was the chief cornerstone, the foundation of salvation. Being a moral person who cares for those around you and being a good steward of what you've been given are very important, but those things won't make you right with God. Today on The Simple Truth, Pastor Dan reminds you that a relationship with Jesus is the only way to be right with God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's good to be kind and do good things, but Jesus, as Pastor Dion says, is the foundation of your salvation, and you decide whether you'll accept his gift of grace or not. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke, chapter 20, with today's edition of The Simple Truth. So Jesus comes in, he's teaching in the court of the Gentiles, the people who can finally go in there because the bazaar is gone. He's teaching them the gospel. These guys come in to ask him some questions. Some of you have been vetted for a job, investigated for a clearance. I mean, investigators comb through your history, your family, your friends, and your relationships. Also, they can determine that you are not a threat or a liability. Well, guys, this group of men that approached Jesus were, in fact, everybody say it, temple investigators. Say it out loud. Temple investigators. It was their job to investigate, to scrutinize, and determine if rabbis or prophets were legit. That was their job. To find out if those people calling themselves rabbis, prophets, or people who were teaching around the temple to find out if they were legit. These investigators would ask probing questions. Who did you study under? What seminary did you attend? Where did you receive your ordination license? Who commissioned you? They're all asking some very probing questions. So this group of men came out with their black suits, attache cases, and notepads, and they asked Jesus, by whose authority do you work and teach? The intent was to discredit Jesus publicly, to find evidence of heresy, to find him in something like that, so that you know, they could get him stoned. Everybody say that aloud. Get him what? Stoned. And, and I mean with rocks. I have to say that in a postmodern world, you know, because they wanted to get him stoned. Now, Jesus answered. I mean, can you imagine they asked him that? Jesus probably said, if I throw a stick, will you guys leave? But no, he didn't say that. Jesus said, I receive my authority from the same place John the Baptist received his. So then he asked, so was John's baptism from men or from God? 
Everybody say, ah. Now see, when John the Baptist started his ministry, this same group of investigators had checked him out. You see, John hadn't studied under another rabbi or attended a seminary, yet this group of investigators indirectly endorsed John. Okay? They even wanted to be baptized by John. Here's the verse, Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. But when John saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be baptized, he denounced them. You barrel of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee from God's coming wrath? So these same investigators had come out to investigate John and even endorsed it to be baptized by him, but you know, John wouldn't because they, they didn't have the right heart. And he sent them away. So when Jesus says, is John's baptism of God or of men? When he throws that out there, the temple investigators are stuck. Everybody said what? They're stuck. They know if they say John's authority was from God, that the people are going to ask, why don't you believe what John said about Jesus? He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you believe John was endorsed of God, wouldn't you believe that what John said about Jesus? <sighs> and if they say John's authority was not from God, but from men the people will bury them where they stand. With rocks, they'll stone them. Because everyone was convinced that John was a prophet from God. So you know what the investigators do? They plead the fifth. Under advice of counsel, to avoid self-incrimination, we decline to answer that question. So, at this, Jesus tells a story to reveal what's really going on. The real reason behind the investigative inquiry. Jesus tells a story to reveal the real reason behind these, these guys' shakedown. Let's read it, verse 9, where we left off. Then Jesus began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard leased it to vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers, and that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed." And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Everybody say, ooh. 
Have you ever heard one of those stories that you feel like they're talking about you? So Jesus, in front of these investigators, you know, they've already pled the fifth. Jesus says, this is the real reason that they're here. And he gives them this story. Jesus used an allegorical story to reveal an elaborate conspiracy by the religious leaders. In the story, Jesus says that God entrusted the Pharisees, the religious leaders, with the people of Israel. They are the vines in this particular vineyard, and they are the vine dressers, the ones who are responsible for them. And God gave the Pharisees the responsibility of the people of Israel to cultivate their spiritual lives and produce lasting fruit for God. But the religious leaders got drunk with power and decided to build their own empire. They beat and killed God's messengers, which were the prophets, and were currently conspiring to kill the Son. So the message is very clear. Busted can't be trusted. Everybody say it out loud. Busted can't be trusted are these Pharisees or religious leaders. That's what's really going on. Jesus uses a parable, an allegorical story to let everybody know this is what's really behind the investigation. This is really what's behind it. These guys are trying to keep an empire for themselves. The religious leaders are trying to hijack God's vineyard for personal gain. And Jesus said, they will be judged. Everybody say the word, they will be what? Ju say it again. Ju say it with a mean face. Judged. Let's read it, verse 15. We continue. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? And Jesus says they killed the son. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? And he questions them, but you can probably hear a pin drop. You know what I'm saying? It's like when somebody mentions fasting or that they're doing a cleanse, there's silence. So nobody answers. So Jesus answers is he will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, certainly not. Then he looked at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. Give a cheer for Jesus, just real quick. So Jesus says, hey, listen, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are trying to hijack God's vineyard, Israel, for personal gain, so they can line their pockets, so they can live lavishly. They're not wanting to be accountable to God at all. In fact, they've killed his prophets, they've killed the messengers God has sent. They're supposed to be making Israel spiritually fruitful, but hey, all they're trying to do is make money for themselves. So Jesus said they will be judged. The religious leaders, Jesus tells them, the religious leaders were rejecting the stone, Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone, the foundation of salvation. 
Jesus is the foundation of our salvation. Only one way can we be saved, through Jesus Christ, right? Jesus said in Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by Me. So Jesus is the stone that they were rejecting, and He was the chief cornerstone, the foundation of salvation. And Jesus warns, people who don't repent and fall on Jesus, judgment will fall on them and grind them to powder. Here's another verse, Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Read it with me. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now He commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to Him. For He has set a day for judging the world with justice. Everybody say, ouch. Or look at your neighbor and say, don't reject the chief corner. Look at them and say, don't reject the chief corner. Now, do you think the religious leaders are stumped right now? Their blood is boiling. So since the religious leaders couldn't pin any religious violations on Jesus, they expand their investigation into his political views. This group of religious leaders send in an undercover team that pretends to be sincere and sympathetic to Jesus. Another team now. They're being sent in undercover to act like they're with Jesus, but they actually have Jesus under surveillance. They're wearing a wire trying to catch Jesus say something incriminating politically. Let's read it. So they watched Him, that is the chief priests and the religious leaders, they watched Jesus and sent spies who pretended to be righteous, sincere, or sympathetic with Jesus so that they might seize on His words in order to deliver Him to the power and the authority of the governor, which is Pilate, then they asked him, saying, this group of undercover guys, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Speak into the mic, please. Huh? Now, Rome was the reigning power in Israel. The Romans had imposed what was called a poll tax. Everybody say that out loud. What? A poll tax. See, according to Rome, every person under Roman authority belonged to Rome and was required to pay a yearly poll tax. This is what they're bringing up. The poll tax was one denarius, a silver coin with a face of Tiberius Caesar on one side and him sitting on a throne like a god on the other side. Jews detested the poll tax. Not because it was a large amount. Not at all. In fact, it was about an average day's salary. So it wasn't a real lot of money 
But the Jews detested the poll tax because of what it stood for. It was a declaration of allegiance to Caesar. That we belong to him. Are you following me? So answering this question about paying the poll tax to Jesus is a catch-22. Darned if you do, darned if you don't, is the situation on this answer. Saying yes to taxation would be a theological train wreck. They would consider Jesus a heretic because the Bible says that we belong to God. Right? So they would say, stone him! He's a traitor to Rome. If he says no to taxation, he would be a political train wreck. They would accuse him of treason. Rome would prosecute him and give him the death penalty, just like the Jews would, if he says yes to the tax. So Jesus is in a trap. Or is he? Because, you know, Jesus is pretty smart and clever. Jesus is pretty smart and clever. Kind of like the boy who walked into the barber shop. The barber whispered to the customer that was in the chair, he whispered in his ear and said, this is the dumbest kid in the world. Watch this. So the barber holds a dollar in one hand and two quarters in the other. And he asks the boy, which do you want, son? The boy runs over, chooses the two quarters, and runs out. Later, the customer bumped into the boy coming out of the ice cream shop. He said, hey, son, can I ask you a question? Why did you take the two quarters instead of the dollar bill when the barber offered? The boy licked his ice cream cone and replied, because the day I take the dollar, the game is over. Not so slow after all, huh? <laughs> the religious leaders think Jesus is a day late and a dollar short. They think they got him trapped. But then Jesus answers like this. But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? And they answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. But they could not catch him in his words in the presence of the people. And they marveled at his answer and kept silent. See, the religious leaders assumed that Jesus would argue against the poll tax. They had Rome on speed dial ready to call. They thought he was going to argue against the poll tax. But instead, Jesus asked for the denarius. Show me a, show me a coin. Give me a coin. For all those who believe Jesus was so prosperous and wealthy and wore designer clothes, he doesn't have a denarius in his pocket or his purse. Come on. I love the way he engages his listeners. Who has a coin? Who has a denarius? He shows it to everybody. When they handed Jesus the coin, he said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God 
what belongs to God. The implication is your life. All of us were created in God's image and after His likeness. We are minted with His likeness. We have an eternal spirit and soul. And therefore, our soul and spirit belong to Him. Psalm 100, verse 3, read it with me. It says this, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We belong to God. Say it out loud. We, whether you acknowledge it or not, God's fingerprints are all over you. You have been created in His image and after His likeness. We belong to Him. Yet, God doesn't bully or manipulate us for our allegiance. That is something we must choose ourselves. To say, God, I belong to you. I choose to give you my life. Because you created me. You ordained it. You knew me before I was even conceived in my mother's womb. You had my days all planned out, and you know every detail of them. I belong to you. But he doesn't manipulate or pressure us into giving it to him. He invites us. Come unto me, he says, all you who are burdened and labored down with sin, guilt, fear, worry. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that awesome, guys? So the choice is ours. The invitation has been given. If you haven't taken advantage of that invitation, you haven't RSVP'd on that invitation, today is a wonderful day to do it. To say, I have been living my life acting like I'm the one in charge. That I'm the God that's in control. But I have realized now, Lord, you have left your fingerprints all over me. I belong to you. And so I will render to the IRS what I owe the IRS. And I will render to you what belongs to you. As we cling to the simple We're so glad that you joined us today for The Simple Truth. Pastor Dion Cordova has been sharing from the book of Luke, one of the narratives of Jesus' life on earth. Luke's perspective emphasizes the human interactions that Jesus had, his time spent caring deeply for people, no matter who they were or what their story was. Jesus cares for you in the same way. He knows what your background is, but that hasn't changed his opinion of you. He just wants to get to know you and show you what unconditional love is. 
His grace is big enough to cover all of your sins, and He's offering you a new life today. We'd love to tell you more, so please give us a call. We'll share how Jesus can impact your life forever and what steps you can take to begin a relationship with Him. Our phone number is 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. We'd like to encourage you to get involved with a local church as well. This will be a place that you can ask questions, learn more about Jesus, and find support as you grow in your faith. Are you in the Española area? If so, we'd love for you to come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. We meet on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. That's tmcalvary.com. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for more from Luke right here on The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.